Welcome to Fifth Words, We Need New Stories. Episode 4, Vinny's Story. It was in love I was created. Written by Zodwanyoni and directed by Anastasia Osei-Kufer. This episode contains references to violence and racism. Fairy tales don't tell you the truth about love. The truth is told after the phrase, the end is said. There, commitment is tested. There we see how love is up, down, entangled in knots and sometimes stretched beyond its capacity. I know this because I've witnessed it. When my mum, Rita, met my dad, Eric, her heart still carried grief. There had been another man she'd loved before him. My biological dad was a Mozambican man who'd found himself in Zimbabwe in the 1970s. He worked with his hands, building roads from Kasungula, a small border town in Zambia close to Victoria Falls, a resort town known for Moziatunya, the smoke that thunders. Little did he know that those roads would lead him to my mother, who was working in another town called Huenge. It was known for elephants, giraffes, lions and buffalo. Wild was their fate, as it would turn out. They dated and dreamt of forever together. Soon my dad would return to his homeland, jubilantly carrying the news that he was to become a father. It was decided that they would move to Mozambique and start their new life. He came back to Zimbabwe to collect his love, his Rita. Roads lead us to new beginnings and sometimes to unexpected endings. My father briefly returned to work. Unbeknownst to him, buried beneath the earth on what started as a normal day, was a hidden landmine. My parents forever after was left scattered like debris. My father never got to meet me, but his love grew in my mother's womb. She returned to her hometown, Bulawayo. The story goes, at my birth, my mother's body was riddled with malaria. The nuns at Marta Day Hospital were preparing to read her last rites. It seemed like tragedy was going to follow her life, but neither of us were prepared to leave this earth with incomplete stories. She fought. I was born in 1972, named Vinnie, daughter of Mighty Rita. My mother raised me alone whilst working as an auxiliary nurse at Ingujeni, a mental health hospital. My grandmother would help during the weekends, We had the routine down. In 1975, Eric would come into our lives. He was a white man from Nottingham who'd come to Rhodesia to work as the charge nurse at my mum's hospital. Once again, love had crossed borders to meet her. This time, the danger could not be dug out of the asphalt. 
it was ingrained in the segregation and hate. Drinking fountains had whites-only signs. Blacks were in townships, whites in suburbs. Rebels hunted white men they saw as oppressors. Love would have to be bravely fought for by all of us. Mum and Eric dated for two years. In 1977, they adopted a black baby girl named Iris. We became a happy family of four. People stared at my family, especially when me and my little sister would call this tall, white man dad. It didn't make us feel awkward. It made us feel protected. In 1980, when Zimbabwe's independence was gained, the society finally caught up with my family's diversity. Schools became integrated. I loved my primary school. I remember Mrs. Miles used to play the piano with elegantly long, painted fingernails. Things seemed possible for us. Then, in my first year of high school at Montrose, my mum and dad told us that we would be moving to Nottingham. I never wanted to come to England. I liked my life and my friends. But it was our turn to cross borders for love. In 1985, we arrived in London. It was the August bank holiday, and so there was no public transport. We hired a car and drove to Nottingham. They were smaller and boxier. The news spoke often of racial tension, burning cars, and riots in Brixton. Mum and Dad had each other for support. My little sister and I had to find our people, I thought we would in school, but I quickly learned that in Cockgrave, we were outcasts, niggers, sambos and darkies. At swimming, the kids couldn't believe that the bottom of my feet were white like theirs. They'd ask if black men had white sperm. They'd yelled that we should go back to where we came from. I was 13. I thought we'd left all this hate behind didn't tell my parents at first. But eventually, I confessed that I was being racially abused. Dad went to the headmaster and told him that if they didn't intervene, he would write to the race relations board complaining about the school. My dad did his best, but the bullying didn't stop. As worldly as he'd been in his travels and friendships, all he could offer us was positivity and the reassurance that our goodness would be enough to prevail in his world. Sometimes I think he didn't know how to speak to our pain. He loved us deeply, but he could never experience Nottingham from the perspective of his black wife and children. No matter how bad the bullying got, I never compromised or swallowed who I was. I loved myself harder and louder. I told myself that I had to defend myself. My main bully's reckoning day came in maths. As usual, I was his target practice, and the teacher wasn't doing anything to stop him. Frustrated, 
I got up, walked towards him and smacked him. I punched him. I grabbed his hair and banged his head on the table repeatedly until his nose bled. Finally, the teacher was forced to intervene. But it was too late. My point had been made. No one abuses Vinny anymore. Once that was settled, I found myself opening up more to what Nottingham had to offer. I made a small group of girlfriends from the next village, Radcliffe-on-Trent. We'd do sleepovers, go to the disco to watch movies and eat fish and chips drenched in vinegar. They dated boys and I went home because mum and dad wouldn't let me date yet. I started making my own money from part-time jobs in pound stretcher and truck stop cafes. Laura and I spent it all on late nights in Astoria and Black Orchid drinking Bacardi and Coke. We'd get absolutely bladdered and fake American accents to make ourselves sound more interesting. (laughs) I'm glad love made us make this ocean crossing for my dad. If we hadn't, I never would have met the childhood friends I have. I never would have experienced the beautiful blending of my Zimbabwean heritage with my British citizenship. And I certainly wouldn't have met Ike. Ike and I met in 1997. I was in my late twenties and he was the Nigerian friend of a friend at a braai. He was a nice guy, but we didn't speak much. It wasn't until a few years later when I saw him at a funeral of a family friend of his then-girlfriend. I'm not saying I had a hand in breaking them up. But I will say he remembered me, and they didn't last long after that. We connected and began our love story. Twenty years later, we are still going strong and living in London. The push and pull of love of a person, of a country of a culture, of a time, is how I was created. I wouldn't have had it any other way. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with others. All episodes in this series are available on major listening platforms and on Fifth Word's website. The next episode in this series is Monashia's story, Keeping Notes. 